In the early 20th century, Martha Manuel was a little girl growing up in San Manuel Indian Reservation in Southern California. She loved to play around the foothills of the San Bernardino Mountains. But one day, something happened that caused Martha to become very ill. While she was playing with her cousin. This is Clifford Trafser, professor of history at the University of California, Riverside. A shaman came out of the, the arroyo, the wash, and he said to these kids, you cannot play here. Now you go on. I, I've left something down here and I don't want you to mess around here. Shamans or medicine people were born with or given the gift of spiritual healing. And they existed in every Native American group. They have power to, to find this energy that is out there around all of us and then pull it in and then use it. Shamans were considered very powerful, able to affect the physical body with their medicine for better or for worse. So he left the area and the kids went away and played in another area, but they got curious and came back to that area. Pretty soon, Martha started getting sick. Her cousin got her home, and her grandmother doctored her for a while, but they, they didn't know what was wrong with her. She got a high fever. She was sweating. She was moving her head back and forth in delirium. Martha's family got her into a hospital where she stayed for several days, but they couldn't do anything for her. She was put into a horse-drawn wagon and taken to Agua Caliente Indian Reservation in Palm Springs to see a high-level shaman named Pedro Chino. He laid her down in front of a, a hot spring that is still there, of course, at, at Agua Caliente. And he started praying and singing. And he was asking for his familiar, his power, to come to him so that he could diagnose what was wrong with this girl. And as he was singing and praying, then he would uh, smoke a cigarette and blow smoke on her. And this is one of the diagnostic ways of, of shaman to find out where the problem was. And then he used his breath to blow over her body until he found it in her leg. And then he was a sucking doctor and he probably used a, a, a pipe, a clay pipe to put it on the area and then sucked uh, and, and pulled out a white worm. And then he took it and he threw it into the fire to kill it. And, and Martha woke up right away. While researching health care on Southern California reservations, Cliff spoke to many Native Americans who told him about the incredible healing powers of the shaman. But in the early 20th century, around the same time Martha got sick, there was a health crisis much bigger than a white worm. And shamans were having a hard time fighting back against it infectious diseases were spreading among the Indian people of Southern California. And although some of the, the, the doctors, Indian doctors, could address symptoms, they, they were not successful in getting rid of the, the various diseases. Decades of physical and cultural genocide robbed Native Americans of their traditional diets and lifestyle, leaving them susceptible to infectious disease, particularly tuberculosis. By confining Indians to reservations in small uh, areas and then living, they could not live as they used to live, so their housing was very poor, often living in shacks. And 
uh, and in addition, that their food sources had been destroyed by uh, settler communities. Tuberculosis and other infectious diseases also circulated at Indian boarding schools that would send children home to die and infect their families on reservations. Even though Native Americans were dying of tuberculosis at much higher rates than the rest of the population, the government wasn't doing anything about it. Many officials erroneously believed Native Americans slept outside in the fresh air and had access to healthy food, and that the diseases only infected those in city slums. The various commissioners of Indian Affairs kept not believing that this was really happening, even though they received letters from missionaries, from teachers, from Indian agents saying, we really have a problem with uh, TB and it's growing. But a turning point came in 1922 when Hubert Work was appointed Secretary of the Interior. He was an army doctor who had served in Europe during World War I. And he had worked with nurses, college-trained nurses. And, and so he had such a, a positive view of these women that when he became Secretary of Interior, he insisted that something had to be done. And he felt that one of the first things that should be done was to, to put uh, college-educated nurses onto reservations to help families uh, in every home. The field nurses were sent to the reservations around the country, getting to know indigenous communities. And they were writing monthly reports talking about who they were seeing and what the problems were and, and how they were going to address whatever the problems. It could be eye problems, teeth problems, and it could be tuberculosis, measles, chickenpox, mumps, you name it. Younger Native Americans who had been to boarding schools knew about infectious diseases, bacteria, and viruses. They had already been teaching older community members about these things, and often assisted field nurses with translation. We have a testimony of going into homes and showing them, if you could use this room and scrub it down with uh, like Clorox, and we'll totally uh, sanitize this room. And then put, th put this young person in here, or this older person in here. I know of instances where nurses helped families build small shacks out back of their homes and explained to them, you need to isolate this person. And they would teach uh, folks how to boil um, plates and forks and urge them to burn all excess food. Don't eat after this person eats because you'll, you'll spread the bacteria. It will come into you. A key to the nurse's success depended on a close relationship between nurses and Native American mothers, grandmothers, and ants. They controlled indigenous households and made decisions regarding the health and care of children and family members. And, and the disease was so horrible and it was so local that you saw people dying of this horrible disease that consumes your body, that, that families understood, we don't want this. We wanna, we wanna follow your instructions. And they did, they, they worked together. Field nurses were not pressuring communities to give up their traditional medicine ways. And most Native Americans believed it made sense to accept their help. Tuberculosis was a settler disease, and it needed settler solutions. 
And the nurses began tracking who has TB. I mean, they name names and then they find out who their contacts are and they would go to them and they would test them. Just as we're in a pandemic now, what, what is being argued by the public health people today is exactly what was argued in, in the 1920s and 30s as well as the 1940s. And they did get control of tuberculosis before they had an antibiotic. In fact, Native American health improved across the country, thanks to the partnership between the tribal leaders and healthcare workers. But it didn't last. After President Roosevelt died and Truman became president, Congress turned very conservative. In an attempt to wash their hands of the, quote, Indian problem, the government moved to terminate the legal relationship between the United States and Indian tribes. They dissolved the medical branch of the Indian service and made Native American health the responsibility of states and counties. But this move ended up defunding healthcare for many indigenous communities. The problem here in Southern California was that the, the public health service did not serve the Indian people of the Mission Indian Agency and the Southern California Indian Agency. They just closed the hospital, they fired all the doctors, they fired all the, the nurses, and stopped medical health care for American Indians. From that point on, Native Americans across the country had to figure out health care for themselves. Many communities created Western health care systems on reservations, controlled and funded by the people who live there. They fill up the boards and they decide who they're going to hire and fire, and they, they decide how the, they were going to use their money. But having a completely independent healthcare system means having limited resources. And in the era of coronavirus, this translates into a much higher infection rate. As of this broadcast, the Navajo Nation has the highest infection rate in the country. Many people are frightened because COVID-19 has really taken off on the reservations that, and they have not received the federal funding that was allocated two or three weeks ago. It was approved, but it hasn't come to them. And all of the tribes, we know about the, the Navajo Nation, but all of the tribes are feeling the effects of COVID-19. It's catching up onto their reservations now and spreading rapidly. Some people on reservations have limited access to computers, telephones, or even television or radio. It's reminiscent of the information gap 100 years ago, when tuberculosis on reservations was at its worst. And with information about the virus changing daily, Cliff says that fieldwork is the best way to reduce COVID-19 infections on reservations. We need teams of, of, of people, healthcare workers, to go to tribes uh, and tribal homes to explain what is happening and how best to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Clifford Trapser is a professor of history at the University of California, Riverside, and the author of Fighting Invisible Enemies, health and medical transitions among Southern California Indians. <laughs>